Nearly 700,000 people filed for unemployment last week. More unemployment claims than we saw at the peak of the 2009 recession. We will examine the promising signs for a cure to coronavirus, and perhaps more importantly, the promising signs that President Trump is ready to free us from the dictatorship of public health experts. Then mainstream media journalists humiliate themselves because today is a day ending in Y, and the New York City government publishes a helpful guide on how to have sanitary group sodomy during the pandemic. All that and more. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. All right, we've got a lot of updates here for the coronavirus, and I... I can't wait to show you the New York City pandemic sex guide, which is a real thing, which we will really get to. This is, this is what the dictatorship of expertise gets us. Uh, first, what are the updates? Tax filing deadline has been moved. This is a very good sign. It's going to be moved to July 15th. Uh, so if you haven't done your taxes yet, you know, good, you get a little bit more time. Some other big moves that President Trump announced on Friday. The U.S. border with Mexico will be closed to non-essential travel. President Trump has been trying to get this for three and a half years, and it took a global pandemic for it to work. But that, that is done. The U.S. border with Canada will be closed to non-essential travel, perhaps more important than closing the border with Mexico, since there are all those Canadian socialists up there. Another important update, President Trump has invoked the Defense Production Act. This is a Korean War era law. It began in 1950. And this is a way to turn American industry to government ends. So for instance, if you need to start producing a lot more ventilators, the government can work with private industry to do that. It sounds a lot more monumental than it is. I mean, it sounds like we're basically gearing up for World War II again. I guess in a certain way we are. But actually, the Defense Production Act has been invoked many times. It was invoked by Barack Obama during his administration. It's been invoked something like 20 times since 1950. So not earth-shattering stuff, but, you know, everyone's so on edge during the pandemic that anytime they hear something like that, they think that we're going to all-out war or something. Uh, Student loan payments have been suspended for 60 days. So if you've got your student loans that you owe on, you're certainly not in school right now. So it seems perfectly fitting that you don't have to make payments on those student loans. And uh, no one's got any money coming in anyway. So if you've already graduated, good that uh, you don't have to make payments on those either. And the Indiana primary election has been pushed back to June. This is part of a trend that we saw starting in Ohio when Governor Mike DeWine decided he was going to cancel the primary for coronavirus. A judge told him he couldn't do that. He said, who cares about the judge and just closed the polling stations. So it's not just Ohio anymore. It's happening in Indiana. This is going to seriously affect the 2020 race. Uh, it's, it's going to affect all the way up until the, the Democratic convention and then it's probably going to have effects on the general election. So if you thought that the whining about it being an unfair election in 2016 was bad, just wait until we get to November of 2020. And then the big update on the numbers, we now have 451 deaths from coronavirus in the United States. Now, this all began in late January. So, you know, obviously 451 deaths, very sad for each of the 451 people and their families, for all of us. But it's not 100,000 people. 
It's, it's maybe not as bad as some people were expecting. That, however, has not stopped the public health experts from telling us, really, we're still on the brink of civilizational collapse. That's why we all need to stay locked up in our homes and not go anywhere. This from Dr. Marty McCary, a public health expert from Johns Hopkins University who is insistent that we keep up the hysteria because if not, hundreds of thousands of people are going to die. Some of America still is in denial that we even have a problem. Uh, you know, we live in a very opinionated country, but this is not fantasy football here. These are facts and this is data and what's happening in Italy will happen in the United States. They had 793 deaths in the last 24 hours. I saw your interview with mm-hmm. Dr. Friedman just now. I don't think he answered your question about how many cases we're, we're going to have he here. Huh. We're going to have hundreds of thousands of deaths and we're going to have millions of people with the infection. That's based on the data of Italy extrapolated to our population. What they're experiencing now is over 4,000 Americans dying per day when we get to their point in the infection. Okay, this guy is seriously misrepresenting the facts. What he's doing has become typical of the mainstream media and the, the so-called experts. You know, the, 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 we, we, are, we are right now basing our national politics on the apparently sacrosanct advice of public health experts rather than dealing with politics as they are, which is where we discuss issues that are often eternal questions and try to persuade our fellow citizens. We've put all of that aside, that entire American political tradition aside for the moment, and now we're just doing whatever these public health experts tell us. But are they telling us the truth? I mean, the first thing, if you're watching that clip of McCary, the first thing that's so strange is looking at, on screen, you've got the host, then you've got Karl Rove as the Republican voice, then you've got Donna Brazile, the former head of the Democratic National Committee, as the left-wing voice, and then you've got the public health expert as another, as another left-wing voice, but he's supposedly objective and merely scientific. If you look at Donna Brazile, the whole time he's talking about how, you know, 100,000 people are going to die, it's going to be mass chaos, there's going to be mass death, Everyone on screen is very serious about it, except for Donna Brazile, who is like smiling and nodding. And it looks really weird. It's the weirdest, creepiest reaction imaginable. And if you look, maybe she's just a strange person. But if you want to try to look into that and find out the political implications of it, it would seem that the political implications are that the left, I'm not saying the left are cheering on deaths. I'm saying the left is cheering on the alarmism, because the alarmism allows them to get more of their public policy priorities through. You saw the other day, uh, Rob Reiner, meathead from All in the Family, famously far leftist guy, said, enough of this state-by-state lockdown. We need a national lockdown now. Which is kind of funny, because meathead says that he hates Donald Trump, and yet he wants to give Donald Trump so much more power, because really what the left wants to do, the thing the left loves about the coronavirus epidemic is obviously not the sickness, What it loves, though, is the power that is going to the government right now and the total stopping of politics. There is no politics during the epidemic. It's just a a tyrannical group of public health experts tell us what to do. Maybe for our own good. Doesn't change the fact that they are determining how our government is running. That's the first part that's pretty weird about this. The second part that's weird is that he's completely misrepresenting the facts in the United States and in Italy. We'll get to that in a second. First, I got to thank our friends over at Liquid IV. This is certainly not the time 
to let your body get dehydrated, okay? You need to stay healthy. And what makes liquid IV so effective? Cellular transport technology, or CTT. The optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium delivers water and nutrients into the bloodstream, right? It's the perfect balance to help you hydrate quickly and more effectively than just water alone. One stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water can give you as much hydration as two or three bottles of plain water. So what does that mean? It means if you're going through tough workouts, okay, it helps prevent muscle fatigue and it provokes healthy post-workout recovery. Now me, maybe I don't work out that much, but if you go and have a nice long night out, or maybe you're just stuck in your apartment having a couple adult beverages, if you have your liquid IV, at least in my experience, it uh, makes you feel a lot better the next morning. Get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com. Use code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S at checkout. 25% off anything you order on Liquid IV's website. Go to liquidiv.com and enter promo code Knowles to save 25% and get better hydration and energy. Liquidiv.com, promo code Knowles. Don't wait. Start fueling your adventures today. So this guy, Marty McCary, who was actually on Fox, so he wasn't, wasn't even on an outright left-wing news channel, still though, passing along this sort of alarmism that hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people are going to die ASAP if we don't do something. Maybe. I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not a public health expert, but I do have reason to believe that he's misrepresenting the facts. So according to McCary, Italy is the exact preview of what's going to happen in the United States. And the reason we're believing McCary is because he's an expert from Johns Hopkins. What's strange, though, is according to data from Johns Hopkins, the death rate in Italy isn't anything like the death rate in the United States. Right now, the death rate in Italy is 7.94% from coronavirus. But the death rate in the United States is only 1.68%. Now, they might say, well, that number is going to rise and rise and rise as the United States uh, gets closer to the stage where Italy is. They'll say that Italy is 11 days ahead in terms of the pandemic than we are because Italy got it so much sooner. But that doesn't seem to be true. If you, if you even track Italy and the United States day by day, we did it last week. I think it was last Wednesday or Thursday. If you looked at where the United States was in terms of death count compared to, or where the United States is compared to where Italy was 11 days prior, Italy had 200 deaths the United States had 100 deaths, even though the United States is five and a half times larger than Italy. So even if they were the equal populations, we still had many fewer deaths. And then you look at how much larger our population size is, and you see that that rate is, is significantly lower. So why are the Italian numbers so high? What is it about Italy? Well, there's uh, some good reason to believe that Italy is simply a different country than the United States. I mean, not, not just in terms of the literal question, they are literally different countries, but in terms of the national makeup. So the Journal of the American Medical Association, JAMA, shows that 40% of infections and 87% of deaths in Italy have been in patients over 70 years old. Yeah, this tracks with what we've been hearing the whole time. I mean, even if you just look sort of superficially, you realize Italy has the oldest population in Europe, the second oldest population in the world. They all greet each other by kissing and they're all smokers, right? And they don't have a particularly functioning government. And so it's just a little bit different than the United States. I mean, there was one story, I kid you not, it came out out of Florence that the mayor of Florence, various politicians there in the early days of the coronavirus endorsed a hug a Chinese person campaign, hug a Chinese person so that 
it could be shown that Italians are not racist. We are now told we're not even allowed to hug our spouses. We're not even allowed to hug our family members for the risk of the, the virus spreading. But Italy early on was willing to risk that entirely to show how not racist they are. Probably not the wisest public policy move. According to JAMA, the majority of people in this group who are seriously being affected by the coronavirus in Italy are likely to need critical hospital care, including 80% of 80-somethings, which is putting a ton of stress on the Italian healthcare system. But there is an expert there, another expert who's on the other side of the question, Professor Ricciardi, who says that actually the reason isn't just from the age groups and the way the hospitals are run. Actually, it's a reporting issue. So he says, quote, the way in which we code deaths in our country is very generous in the sense that all the people who die in hospitals with the coronavirus are deemed to be dying of the coronavirus. That means if you go in and you're, you've got coronavirus, right? So you're 84 years old, you've got coronavirus, you're admitted to the hospital. Also, you've got stage four pancreatic cancer. Also, you've got pneumonia. Also, you had a stroke last week. If you are admitted to the hospital with coronavirus and you die there, then it will be recorded in Italy as you have died from coronavirus. But that's very confusing because there's a good chance that person would have died a week later anyway, whether they had coronavirus or not. So how do you track it? We have this tracking problem in America too, although I think I actually have the solution and it's going to put a lot of left-wingers in a bad position when they try to extrapolate the last two weeks and make it into a national power grab policy. We'll get to that in a second. First, I got to thank our friends over at LifeLock. So it's tax season. Luckily, the deadline was extended. I'm sure you are sending a lot of information around and you probably will be now uh, for the next few months. During tax season, your name, your social security number, lots of valuable information about yourself is emailed around a lot more than usual. Criminals can steal information from your devices and sell it on the dark web, or they can use it to commit identity theft, or they can do both. To help prevent this, you need LifeLock, the number one most recognized brand in identity theft protection. LifeLock monitors for uses of your personal info, alerts you to possible suspicious activity, and if you become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated identity, identity restoration specialist will work to fix it. I really trust these guys. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year. Just go to lifelock.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. That is lifelock.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, for 25% off. So you've got this big recording issue in Italy. Uh, there was one analysis of this showed that you, you might be able, if you, if you got rid of the recording issue and you just looked at people who died directly, immediately of the coronavirus, primarily of the coronavirus, you could bring down their death numbers by something like an order of magnitude. But it depends on how you look at it. So we have this in the United States too. A, a big scare example came out last week here in my own city of Los Angeles. We'd, we'd been hearing 80-year-olds die of coronavirus, 75-year-olds maybe, but people who are young do not until last week we heard of a 34-year-old guy in LA who died from the coronavirus. I think he had just gone to Disneyland. So he's in a very crowded place, made it even scarier. That is a scary headline, especially if you are someone about my age. What they buried in the article, though, is that this guy had underlying health conditions and some pretty serious ones. 
He had a lifelong history of asthma, of frequent bronchitis, and then as recently as three, four years ago, he had testicular cancer. So he was treated for cancer. This is no easy treatment. And then he got coronavirus. Those details are relevant here because something tells me that the health of somebody who doesn't have those chronic conditions, who hasn't recently been treated for cancer, is quite different than somebody who has. So how do you figure out who is right? There are two groups of people right now, as I see it. There are the people who say that shutting down the world economy, pausing everybody, locking everyone in their apartments is perfectly reasonable and there should be no end in sight. And really, if anything, we underreacted. So the Democratic governor of New York summed summed up this view, Andy Cuomo. Andy Cuomo has now, all the left-wing governors are trying to one-up each other. So, you know, Governor Newsom in California does something. Andy Cuomo wants to do more than that. Or the local mayors, Eric Garcetti in LA does something because the leftist mayor of San Francisco does something. So then the governor wants to do it right. They're all one-upping each other. Andy Cuomo said of his policy to more or less lock down the state, he said, if everything we do saves just one life, I'll be happy. Now, how are you going to argue with that sentiment? You don't care about human life? That's the, that's the conclusion. If you don't want to do everything that Andy Cuomo's done, then you don't care about human life. Now, of course, this policy is absurd. None of us actually believe it's true. 90 people, 100, actually, I think the number is closer to 100 or 102 people die on average in car accidents every single day. So we should ban cars, right? Because there we wouldn't just be saving one life. We'd be saving 102 lives a day. 102 people who would go home to their families every day if we got rid of automobiles. So do you not support getting rid of automobiles? What, you don't care about human life? You're not as wonderful and moral a person as Andy Cuomo? No, of course not. That's not, that's not the takeaway from that. I mean, even just consider what Andy Cuomo is saying. He's saying, if we stop the global economy and that saves one life from the coronavirus, it was worth it. How many lives are going to be ended because we stopped the global economy? I mean, just forget about how the supply chain is going to affect people. Forget about how all of the confusion is going to affect people's lives. Just consider everyone losing their jobs. Record number of people have applied for unemployment. We'll get to that in a second. When people lose their jobs, suicide ticks up. I personally know of two people who have killed themselves because of, or two people who have tried to kill themselves one person who succeeded because of this shutdown, coinciding with this shutdown. These weren't, uh, you don't need to send sympathy or anything, and these were not like close friends of mine. But these are stories that I've heard of from friends of mine. So I'm only one, one degree removed from them. How many more stories are there like that? Okay, if, if just me, just I, have heard of two people doing this, one of whom succeeded at it, What's going on around the country? Already, you know, let's say one person lives from coronavirus, but then one person kills himself because he lost his job. If we're taking a purely utilitarian calculus here, probably wasn't the smartest thing to do, right? That's what Andy, that's Andy Cuomo's calculus here. That's one group of people. And I think what they're saying is indefensible, but it's emotionally very compelling. The other group of people think maybe it wasn't the greatest idea to shut down the global economy. 
Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, we just don't know. That's the group of the skeptics. So there's the people who say, grind everything to a halt, please install Dr. Fauci as our world ruler who will tell us everything to do, a wise and noble emperor. And there's the other group that says, hmm, maybe we need to balance different things. Maybe we shouldn't just focus with 100% myopia on the coronavirus. This is what is meant by the dictatorship of public health experts. There's a leftist idea that the people we should put in charge are the experts. And this has been the leftist idea for hundreds of years now. If you're the public health expert, then you've got to run all of public health policy. If you're the environmentalist expert, you've got to run all environmental policy. Now, the trouble is, all these different areas of policy affect one another. If you're the economic expert, you've got to run all of economic policy. They all affect one another. And so there's a conservative idea, which is that, of course, we should listen to the opinion of experts. Of course, we should look at the data, look at science. But the experts are actually the last people we should put in charge because the, the experts, by definition, their whole career has been putting on blinders. So all they can see is their one field of expertise. But actually, in governance, in politics, you need to take off the blinders. You need to have generalists in charge so that they can not miss the forest for the trees. That group of people who are, say, maybe the skeptics or who are trying to balance other priorities here as well, I certainly count myself in that group. I suspect most of you count yourselves in that group. How do we figure out who's right? I have a solution. But first, I've got to thank our friends over at Ebb Sleep. You having trouble falling asleep these days? I suspect maybe you are. Maybe you got some worries on your mind. I know just about everybody has worries on their mind these days. If you've tried everything from pills to pillows with little success, it's time for you to try Ebb. Ebb Sleep is a wearable solution that fits over the forehead and gently and precisely cools the forehead to reduce those racing thoughts, allowing people who suffer from sleeplessness to drift more comfortably into a deeper, more restorative sleep. The mind's normal way of, of dealing with stress and challenges is to be on guard, it's to be vigilant. It's like when you're all, all tense at night and you can't fall asleep. That's the reverse of what is needed for a restful night's sleep. But brain imaging studies followed by 3,800 nights of clinical studies by renowned sleep researchers revealed a revolutionary new way to sleep, and that is Ebb. I highly recommend you try this. I have slept with it. It is unbelievable. It is an unbelievable solution. I've never seen anything like it. It really does cool your mind, cool your racing thoughts. You've got to check it out. Have the energy to do the things you love again by getting the sleep you need. Ebb's natural solution has no morning side effects, allows you to get back to your peak performance. Our listeners can now try Ebb for free for 60 nights to confirm it's the solution you've been looking for. Go to tryebb.com slash Knowles, T-R-Y-E-B-B.com slash Knowles, tryebb.com slash Knowles. Order today to get the sleep you need and deserve. How do we figure out who is right here? You can't do it by simply counting deaths from coronavirus. You can't do it by the counterfactual either. You can't say, well, had we not done these measures, then the numbers would have been the same, right? Because all we know is the effect of what we actually did, right? It, it, what you'll hear from the power grab people at the end of all of this, even if we lock down the whole country and we get to the end of it, we crash the global economy and let's say only 50,000 people die, you know, something comparable to a flu epidemic. What they will say is, 
we had to do what we did because if not, 10 gazillion people would have died and you would have no way of proving that wrong. Except this one. The way to count the effectiveness of these policies is to first factor in all the people who would have died anyway, even without coronavirus. This is, this would fix the recording problem in Italy. So every single day, about 7,500 people die in the United States of heart disease, car accidents, all sorts of ailments. People die. I know that we forget this in our materialistic culture, but people do die. So 7,500 people die per day. What we now need to do, and that, that takes in seasonal flu, that takes in all other sorts of epidemics. What we need to do to figure out the true death toll from coronavirus, both in the United States, in Italy, elsewhere, is simply figure out how many more people died per day. Now, it, by the way, you can't take it just day by day because that's an average. So you have to look at exactly how many people died different seasons of the year. When this is all over, when we're calculating the death toll, we need to take that number into account. It also will allow us to compare it across countries. Is our response like Italy? You know, that expert who went on TV, McCary, at the top of the show, he seems to think that we're exactly like Italy. Some people want to point out that actually our response has been quite different from Italy. We don't have uh, hugging campaigns. We have social distancing campaigns here, for, for one example. We closed down the border much earlier. If the number is massive of extra deaths from coronavirus here and elsewhere in the world, we will know that we did the right thing. If the number is not massive, if the number is more comparable to say a flu epidemic, we will know that we perhaps overreacted. We will be able to hold to account people who stoked the hysteria. Now, luckily, President Trump gets it. The left doesn't get it. The left is going bonkers and they're posting a lot of weird videos and weird sex guides around the internet, which we will get to. But President Trump is showing evidence that he really does get it. And he's smacking down the mainstream media all the while to show it. We'll get to that in a second. First, I got to thank our friends over at, uh, over at the Daily Wire website, actually. Not, <laughs> not even our friends at a regular sponsor. I got to thank our members and our All Access members. If you haven't had a chance to see some of our new content called All Access Live, you should head over to dailywire.com and check it out. Uh, Jeremy and Ben kicked this off last week, and then we all did live streams each day over at dailywire.com. We're going to continue that all this week at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. This is a very relaxed show. Okay, this is not one of our highly produced, totally organized news shows. This is just a way to hang out because well, that's all we're doing these days in our quarantine. The show is intended for our all access members, but during this national emergency and time of isolation, we've opened it up to all of our members. And in doing so, we've, we've accelerated the launch a little bit. So please let us know what you think of that. If you're around at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific tonight, join us over on the All Access Live Show, dailywire.com. Head on over there, subscribe. You will not regret it. We'll be right back with a lot more. President Trump gets it. He gets this fear. He gets why we need to crack the dictatorship of experts. He's taking it seriously, which is good. We want him to do that. He's also cracking jokes about tyrannical government. He was doing a press conference. I believe this was on Friday and he's standing Dr. Fauci and Mike Pence and Mike Pompeo are behind him. And he cracks a joke about how he's got to get secretary of state Mike Pompeo back 
to the State Department, or as some people call it, the Deep State Department. You know what I'd like to do? I'd like him to go back to the State Department, or as they call it, the Deep State Department, if you don't mind. I'd like to have him go back and uh, do his job. So does anybody have any question? Please. Mr. So the greatest part of this exchange is, first of all, Trump is not allowing this pandemic to cower him. It's not, he's not allowing it to uh, force him into retreat and to defer simply to the, the dictatorship of experts. But when you look at the chief expert in the country, Dr. Fauci, who's been doing a very good job, the minute that Trump says the deep state department, you see the smirk just tick up on Fauci's face and you can see he's just trying to suppress a laugh. So his mouth is all sort of contorting. Then he just puts his head down, you know, he's like scratching his forehead so that he can hide his smile. Uh, he's obviously getting a kick out of it. Uh, really gives me even more confidence that the guy knows what he's doing, that he can uh, crack a laugh about the, the uh, bureaucracy in our federal government. That the next aspect of Trump's response that is really giving me confidence is a tweet he sent out last night. All caps, that's how you know that a Trump tweet is really serious. He tweets out, quote, we cannot let the cure be worse than the problem itself. At the end of the 15-day period, we will make a decision as to which way we want to go, exclamation point. Love this. My man, that's exactly what you need to say right now. Because right now we're in quarantine. We've been in quarantine for what, like seven days or so? And the thing that's making the markets tank, the thing that's making people freak out, is we don't know when the end is going to be. Is this going to drag on for two weeks, two months, 18 months? I don't know. We got to wait for the experts to tell us how to live our lives, I guess. And whatever they say, that's what we're going to do. Give up our liberties. Don't go to mass. They close churches everywhere. That's cool. That's fine. You take all of our freedoms, take everything that we want to do indefinitely. I don't think so. Americans are willing to have solidarity, come together, help each other out, even suspend some of our rights for a limited period of time. We need to know when that comes to an end. And this 15-day period was what they talked about at the beginning, 15 days to stop the virus or to slow down the spread of the virus. Cool. I'll be a sport for 15 days. Won't be a spot, sport for 15 months, won't be a sport for 15 years. Need an end date. And so that end date now, it looks like it would be about March 30th. I really hope that President Trump sticks to this. And barring some seriously evidenced catastrophe on the horizon, if we don't extend it, I want him to end it at 15 days. There were almost 694,000 new unemployment claims between last Monday and last Wednesday. That blows the 2009 recession out of the water. It actually blew past the 2009 recession. How much longer are we going to let that go on? Are we going to let the unemployment rate get up to 30%? Maybe. Maybe it's already going to go there. Are we going to let it stay there for months and months, crash the economy? Probably not a great idea. There are unintended effects of that that the, our public health experts simply cannot factor in. The media are furious at Trump for trying to remind people that this is going to end quickly, for trying to find a quick solution to this. They're furious at Trump because he attacked a reporter over this exact question. He called an NBC journalist a terrible reporter for asking Trump what he would say to Americans who were scared. 
That's the narrative. The narrative the mainstream media is putting out for you right now is that a reporter asked a perfectly legitimate question. Mr. President, what do you say to Americans who are scared? And Trump, unhinged, crazy, up against a wall, couldn't give an answer to this question. And it was uh, such a horrible moment for Trump. The exchange came after President Trump announced the possibility of a breakthrough regarding a cure to coronavirus. A drug called chloroquine, and some people would add to it hydroxy, hydroxychloroquine. So chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine. Now this is a common malaria drug. It's also a drug used for strong arthritis. Okay, this is the drug. He goes on to describe it. I love the way he did chloroquine. Some people look, some people might say hydroxychloroquine. Okay, what I'm talking, I'll take any either name, but it treats malaria, treats arthritis, and this may have an application to coronavirus. Hey, great news. There should be applause from the press in that room, right? How exciting. That's not what happened. Now, here is the very selectively edited clip that is going around the internet now and being pushed by the mainstream media and all the blue check marks to make Trump look like he's throwing a temper tantrum. What do you say the Americans were scared though? I guess nearly 200 dead, 14,000 who are sick, millions, as you witnessed, who are scared right now. What do you say to Americans who are watching you right now who are scared? Uh, I say that you're a terrible reporter. That's what I say. I think it's a very nasty question, and I think it's a very bad signal that you're putting out to the American people. The American people are looking for answers, and they're looking for hope. And you're doing sensationalism, and uh, the same with NBC and Comcast. I don't call it, I don't call it Comcast, I call it Comcast. Let me just ask for whom you work. Let me just say something. That's really bad reporting. And you ought to get back to reporting instead of sensationalism. Let's see if it works. It might and it might not. I happen to feel good about it, but who knows? I've been right a lot. All right. Trump, very forcefully, has been right a lot. But the response from most people when they see that clip is they say, it was a totally fair question. It was a totally outrageous response. Look, he was just asking, what do you say to Americans who are scared? Trump can't answer that one, that softball, right? Wrong. Because that was Alexander's follow-up to the first extraordinarily biased series of questions. Here's the real clip. Dr. Fauci said there is no magic drug for coronavirus right now, which you would agree. I guess on this issue, well, well, you know, I, I think we only disagree a little bit. Sorry. I disagree. Uh, Maybe and maybe not. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. We have to see. Is We're going to know. Is it, possible, is it possible that your impulse to put a positive spin on things may be giving Americans a false sense of hope? No, I don't think so. I don't preparedness think so. right now. No, I don't think so. I think that, uh, I think it's got, you know, the not yet approved drug. I mean, such a lovely question. Um, look, it may work and it may not work. And I agree with the doctor what he said. May work, may not work. Uh, I feel good about it. That's all it is, just a feeling. I, you know, I'm a smart guy. I feel good about it. And we're going to see. You're going to see soon enough. That's the prelude to Trump going off on the reporter. Then he goes, yeah, but what do you know? What do you say to Americans who are scared? He goes, you're a terrible reporter. You keep interrupting me. You keep asking these condescending questions. I mean, from the very beginning, Peter Alexander from NBC, his question is, hey, there's no magic drug. It's not mad. How condescending the word magic Hey, 
Mr. President, what do you think? Look, the way that you always put a positive spin on things, you know how you exaggerate and lie, you liar. Yeah, well, what do you think? Don't you think that's giving Americans a false sense of hope? Really, they're all going to die, aren't they? They're all going to die. Tell them they're all going to die. And then Trump starts to answer, and Peter Alexander keeps speaking, keeps interrupting him as he's answering. Uh, Frankly, I think Trump held his temper very well until the very end. He goes, hey, Buster, you're a terrible reporter. You're a hack. Your outlet is a hack outlet, and you're not helping the situation here. You're not reporting the news, first of all, and you're scaring people, and you're doing sensationalism, and you're trying to make the situation worse. Absolutely right. But then it gets even better. The most outrageous part of all of this, don't forget, this was in response to Trump saying, there's this drug called chloroquine, which might help. It's showing some promise. Media pile on him. Peter Alexander, this is false hope. Andy Cuomo, Democratic governor of New York, gives almost the exact same press conference, touting in almost the exact same terms, the exact same drug. Here he is. We're also implementing uh, the trial drug. We have secured 70,000 hydrochloroquine, 10,000 Zithromax, Uh, from the federal government. I want to thank the FDA for moving very expeditiously to get us this supply. Okay. Same, that's basically the same exact news conference that Trump gave. Tone is always a little bit different, but the substance of it, identical. When Trump does it, it's a false sense of hope. What happens when Andy Cuomo does it? Brian Stelter, CNN, take it away. It's been a remarkable show of leadership by Governor Cuomo in recent days. He's providing hope, but not false hope. Not false hope. That's what Trump peddles. When Trump is using the exact same words Andy Cuomo is using, that's false hope. When Andy Cuomo does it, that's real hope, not false hope. This is CNN, facts first, mainstream media. And then, because look, maybe you say, okay, look, they're both left-wing outlets, NBC and CNN. Maybe they just had a different take on this. No. John King on CNN goes on CNN and explains in coarse, vulgar language why President Trump's reaction to Peter Alexander was totally outrageous. It was BS. I sat in that room for just shy of 10 years. It was a perfectly valid question. And what the president did to Peter Alexander is reprehensible. The American people are looking for answers. They do want hope. They do want support, Mr. President. That was a very fair question. Our Caitlin Collins is in the briefing room right now. She was there for that contentious briefing. Uh, Caitlin, this is a Trump trademark. This is a Trump trademark. It was striking that this came, this, this, forgive me, bullshit attack on fake news came just moments after the Secretary of State said the American people need to be careful about where they get their information and go to sources they can trust. I get there are times disagreements. There are times contention between politicians and reporters. That was a 100% legitimate question with no hype, no shade, no bias. He just wanted to attack. No, no bias, no shade, no hype, nothing. No, not at all. But hey, by the way, that was BS. That was outrageous. That was terrible when Trump did it. But uh, Andy Cuomo, wow, not not giving anyone false hope. Thank good. I mean, no no reporter would ever ever even dare to ask him the question that they asked Trump. Of course not. He's peddling true hope, not false hope. What a clown. What a total clown that guy is. First of all, do you remember when journalists didn't have to use four-letter words on national television in their news reports? Well, I guess you'd have to remember all the way back to when there were actual journalists and reporters out there and not leftist hacks just 
taking any pot shot they can at the president, even when it swings back and humiliates themselves. The New York City government, speaking of humiliation, the New York City government has published a guide to having sex during a pandemic. You think the vulgar language used by John King on CNN was bad? Just wait until you hear the the actual public health recommendations from the New York City government. I am not exaggerating when I tell you this document, Sex and Coronavirus Disease 2019, is the filthiest document I have read in quite some time. I, I will just give you the highlights. And if you have young children, they sh- you should cover their ears for the next two minutes. All New Yorkers should stay home and minimize contact with others to reduce the spread of COVID-19. But can you have sex? Here are some tips for how to enjoy sex and to avoid spreading COVID-19. Enjoy? All right. That's kind of weird. That's not usually like clinical public, public health uh, language, but that's fine. We still have a lot to learn about COVID-19 and sex. Have sex with people close to you. You are your safest sex partner. Masturbation will not spread COVID-19, especially if you wash your hands and any sex toys with soap and water for at least 20 seconds before and after sex. You are your safest. I guess it is sex with someone I love, but I don't, this doesn't seem like the kind of advice you should be getting from your government. The next safest sex partner is someone you live with. Having close contact, including sex with only a small circle of people helps prevent spreading COVID-19. You know, not exactly the same sort of advice we used to hear from our, our leaders on sex. Used to, or, or maybe our parents would say, you know, find a girl you love, get married, live happily ever after. Now they're saying, have sex with a small circle of people. Not a large circle. That would be wrong and immoral. But a small circle of people, that's, that's fine. Uh, if you usually, oh, you should avoid close contact, including sex, with anyone outside your household. Now, this raises a lot of creepy questions that I don't want to get into. If you usually meet your sex partners online or make a living by having sex, consider taking a break from in-person dates. Video dates, sexting, or chat rooms may be options for you. Mayor Bill de Blasio telling us to sext. That's why we elected him, I guess. Now it gets really, this is the part, really cover cover up the ears. Take care during sex. Kissing can easily pass COVID-19. Avoid kissing anyone who is not part of your small circle of close contacts. Rimming, mouth on anus, might spread COVID-19. Virus and feces may enter your mouth. This is published by the New York City government on how to handle the pandemic. Condoms and dental dams can reduce contact with saliva or feces, especially during oral or anal sex. Good. Always wanted anal sex tips from my mayor. Washing up before and after sex is now more important than ever. Wash hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Interesting stapling job they did here. That's interesting. Wash sex toys with soap and warm water. Thanks again, Mayor de Blasio. Disinfect keyboards and touchscreens that you share with others for video chat for watching pornography or for anything else. Forget about the debate we've been having on the right, which is should city governments regulate pornography or even ban pornography? Or, you know, we, we had obscenity laws in this country. We still do actually all over the place, but they're rarely if ever enforced these days. Uh, now you've got your city government encouraging you to watch pornography, encouraging you on how to watch pornography. 
skip sex if your partner is not feeling well. If you or a partner may have COVID-19, avoid sex and especially kissing. So maybe you can have sex, but definitely don't kiss your sex partner. <laughs> and uh, prevent HIV or other sexually transmitted infections and unplanned pregnancy. By the way, kind of an interesting thing. We've shut down virtually every institution in this country because of the, the coronavirus, and yet abortion clinics remain open. Apparently that's an essential service. And see, shows you the priorities of the, the experts. Maybe shows some ulterior motives. Shows us that maybe this is uh, not just a public health dictatorship that we're living in. It might be something of a political dictatorship because when, when questions of health become public health and use the arm of government to enforce their dictates, all of a sudden we're talking about a political question. And unless you want to live in a world that is... Uh, that issues more and more guidebooks like the New York City sex guide. Unless you want to live in a world in which government bureaucrats are invading the most personal and perverted aspects of your life, and encouraging those perversions, by the way, uh, then we're probably going to want to return to normal sooner rather than later. We will listen to the public health experts as they guide us on that way, but ultimately we will have to make the decision ourselves. That's our show. We got a whole lot more to get to. We'll have to do it tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. See you then. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Walsh Show, it's not just another show about about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. Listen.